0: live to tea
1: welcome to millennial episode 37 i'm andrew
2: i'm elisa and i'm laura
1: no math this week he is still reeling from all the star wars news
2: Yeah, it was weird to say and before my name this week. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I paused for a moment. It it felt strange.
1: You got, you got a little taste of what it's like to be me (laughs) and Drew. So are you guys big Star Wars fans?
2: Yes. I wouldn't call myself like a big Star Wars fan, but I am excited for the movie.
1: It was, it's, it's been a big week. The Force Awakens poster came out on Sunday. The final trailer came out on Monday during Monday Night Football and tickets are now on sale. What, what, what was the trailer? Yeah. Yeah. I really think Lucasfilm and Disney are batting a pitch perfect campaign with Star Wars. They, everything they release is just perfect. Any other thoughts on the trailer?
2: I'm just fucking stoked. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not immersed enough in like the Star Wars universe to really be able to comment on anything. I've seen all the movies and like, you know, I... I think the originals were better and the newer ones were stupid. I think And this agrees. one looks really great. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I don't really have much more commentary to offer than that. Yeah. I think
3: it's going to be badass because we have J.J. Abrams directing it and he did such a phenomenal job with the Star Trek that mm-hmm. I, 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 there's very few people that I would trust with this franchise other than J.J. Abrams. I was up really, I don't know if you guys saw, but, like, Every movie site in existence was crashed.
1: Yeah, the tickets
3: um, for for the tick to get the get tickets. So I was up until like two in the morning trying to get trying to get tickets. Were you really? Day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, me. I was up like. My boyfriend wants to see it too. He's a huge Star Wars fan, but he he wanted to see it in IMAX. So we were up like on the phone like. Like, mm. I'm not kidding you. Three, four hours just trying to get oh fucking tickets. Gosh.
1: Um, Yeah, I was lucky. I got tickets before. I, I, I found out on Twitter that they were accidentally released early. So I jumped on Fandango right away before they started crashing. And when I looked, the very first showing, 7 p.m. in suburbia South Jersey, because I'm going to be home for Christmas on December 17th. The, the theater was already halfway sold out and then it was only like 20 minutes after tickets went on sale i was like holy shit it's crazy
3: yeah it's warranted though i you know this is one of those one of those times a rare instance where all the hype is completely warranted in my opinion
1: yeah i have a little confession to make though i, I don't mm-hmm. think you guys know this yet Uh oh i have not seen a single star wars movie
2: worse than me
1: uh-huh. Wait,
3: I do remember you saying this Because you were talking about how You stole someone's lightsaber <laughs> That's right, oh, right, right. You're asshole and, but, yeah. you didn't even see the film
1: Yeah, and I'm, uh, obviously I'm going to Before the movie comes out Lately I've been thinking like, okay, well when's the right time And I feel like no time is the right time So I'm are just you, like, stop Here's
2: my question, are you going to watch the movies Before the next time you put the lightsaber Up your asshole? <laughs>
1: how about i have it up my butthole the entire time i watch all six movies there you go that's Um, a
2: that's a true fan right there mm
1: -hmm. yeah so i'm i'm gonna watch the originals first and then the prequels i'll I'll sit through those i hear they're very bad thanks jar jar yeah whoa so bad movies anyway there's been some other news in the world besides star wars
2: Right. So the Canadian election was on Monday, October 19th. And I was watching live with members of our millennial Facebook group. So it was a lot of fun. I was. Did you not see the thread where I was like freaking out with all of them?
1: No, I was busy watching Star Wars trailers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You you were busy not caring about other countries' politics. Um, So what happened? So anyway, uh, we saw a landslide victory for the Liberal Party, meaning that Justin Trudeau will be Canada's new prime minister, putting an end to Stephen Harper's nine years holding the office. So I take it neither of you watched anything.
1: No. How were you? You said you were watching. What were you watching?
2: I was watching a live stream of CBC.
1: Okay. Yeah. The the news channel there.
2: Mm -hmm. I watched a video in which I
3: think Trudeau is doing a strip tease. So (laughs) I, I saw that.
2: Right. So Trudeau, he is the son of former Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, um, who kind of won in a very similar landslide election in the 80s. So this kind of to some people felt like the second coming almost. Um, but the funny yeah. thing is this <laughs> this guy is a boxer like he's got tattoos. He's done strip teases and shit. And now he's Prime Minister.
1: Wow. Good for him. He's, he's yeah. He's kind of like Martin O'Malley, who we'll talk about in a little bit. You he's think like, he's like Martin O'Malley? Yeah, cuz he's
3: hot. I mean, he's lots. what are you <laughs> saying about your desire to see Martin O'Malley's package?
1: Well, well, I saw shirtless pictures of Martin O'Malley over the past week. BuzzFeed was calling him bay. Evidently he's like kind of hot.
2: What? Yeah. Justin Trudeau is really hot. I would just like to point out now that all three of the leaders of North America are like they're studs <laughs> they're all banging yeah they are man have you seen like i mean i don't know how familiar you are with mexico's president but he's also quite good looking is he really yeah uh, enrique shit. nieto oh he's uh go go ahead and google him and search that guy some of the pictures are a little creepy because they're very staged but when you get candidates he's uh he's a good looking guy But at any rate, this was huge for Canada. Um, The Liberal Party now has a majority in the House of Commons. They won 184 seats, um, which actually took them up 150 seats from what they had in the 2011 election. So at that point, they only had like 34. Hmm. So this was a landslide victory for them. The Conservatives lost 67 seats this time. And the New Democratic Party lost 59 seats as well. Cool. And nobody was anticipating that this would happen like a month ago. Oh, really? Kind of, well, that's yeah, exciting. Yeah, kind this of came out of nowhere. Yeah, so everybody was super happy. If you follow the thread in the Facebook group, everybody was like shitting themselves. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: A little tease of what's going to be going on in the Facebook group about 13 months from now.
2: <laughs> oh my god! Except <sighs> our process is so much longer than theirs. They they had a 78 day campaign
1: yeah that's- i saw that that's- and
2: ca- canadians were freaking out because they were like this is the longest campaign we've ever had and i'm like what
1: <laughs> and they're probably just gonna get longer
2: <laughs> yeah oh my god
1: that's nuts that almost seems too short i know but that must be nice for the candidates
2: um so as some of you guys may know uh, last week, we recorded the show shortly before the debate started, so we weren't actually able to offer any commentary at that point. So we want to do that now. Mm. Um, so let's address this first. Who won, in your
1: opinions? Ooh, that's a tough question. I I think Martin O'Malley won in that he what? finally <laughs> was exposed to a big audience. He got the attention that he deserves. I don't think Hillary or Bernie suddenly pulled ahead based on anything that they said, although I thought they both did very well.
2: No, but in terms of the debate, like who won the debate?
1: Oh, the actual debating? Yeah. Part? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I can't tell you. Okay. I mean, let's
3: be, let's be clear that, that this is a very subjective answer and that who wins a debate? There's not, that's, wins in what context? Wins by Mm. what yardstick? How are we measuring that? My inclination, I mean, in terms of, in terms of sticking true to their platform and not wavering one damn inch from their platform, I think Bernie won in that regard. I mean, he's super consistent and I, I like and respect that about him. In terms of PR, in terms of who won in the media? I think that was clearly Hillary. I think that she won purely because everyone was kind of bored with her. Understandably, she's a Clinton. She's like part of like the, the political dynasty in this country. Everyone was kind of bored with Hillary Clinton and she pulled ahead and did really, really, I mean, she did well for herself and she was, she was sassy and she was on message and She got a lot of good press as a
2: result, so I think she won in that regard. Do you so saying that then? Do you think that Hillary actually wavered from her 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 positions on the issues in the debate? Because you're saying like in, in you're saying like in terms of who won, in terms of like who stayed on on their message and who was unwavering. In in discussing their platform, you're saying Bernie won that. So are you then saying that Hillary maybe didn't perform as well in that compared to Bernie? Yes, because because I mean and
3: I'm not saying it's realistic to necessarily compare yourself to Bernie Sanders, who is a stalwart of of political philosophy. He's great, but but yeah, I mean. Hillary has changed her position on a number of issues throughout her lifetime. And I am not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I think her response to that was, was accurate and true and nuanced. And she, when she was asked about why she changed her position, she said, because like any person, I, I gather new information. I hear new facts, the landscape changes. And I, as I, as a person, I grow, You know, the person that you are at 50 shouldn't be the same person you are at 25 or 30. Yeah. Um. And so, and and I thought that's a, that's, that's true story, bro. I thought that was real. I thought she was, I thought that was fair. But that being said, it's still the reality that she has changed. And so I'm not saying that we should, you know, nail her to the cross for it, but we need to recognize the fact that, not even, what, six, seven years ago, she was not for gay marriage.
2: She was for civil unions. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she, like she and Barack Obama. Like, yes, my, my thing is, I don't know that we can necessarily say that because somebody admits to having changed their position that they don't stick to a particular platform. I think that her, her platform is informed by her values, right? And whether we like it or not. A politician may have been pro civil union because they recognized that the American public wasn't going to go for gay marriage. So it's, it's, I think it's really hard to like sit there and try to kind of match every single position that a politician has taken ever to what their actual feelings are. And therefore, I don't know that I can necessarily say that Hillary didn't stick to her guns per se. Um that said, I don't think that Bernie lost the debate. I just want to put that out there. My opinion so that Bernie Sanders fans don't like jump down my throat.
1: My opinion on these changing changing thoughts, going from civil unions to gay marriage. Um I have a Republican acquaintance who I'm friends with on Facebook, and this person loves to post weekly <laughs> uh updates shitting all over hillary bernie etc and he always loves to bring up this hillary point point. and so i've because it's been kind of stuffed down my throat i've been doing a lot of thinking about it and my thought is on civil issues if they're going to change if they're going to evolve like obama used to say who the hell cares what they thought back when they had their different opinion and who the, who cares if it's politically motivated on social issues? Because if, if they're changing now and they're, they're doing what we want and they're presumably going to stick with it, it's not like Hillary is going to backtrack in five years and say, you know what? Fuck gay marriage. Back to civil unions. She's going to stick with this opinion now. And that's going to be it. It's kind of like if, if you got angry at your parents because they changed their opinion. It's like, well, at least they changed. Of course, they didn't have this view back 10 years ago, but they do now. And Hillary is just like any other person where you change your opinions on things. So I I realize that this is kind of a double standard because I'm saying social issues versus maybe more important issues. Let's say like wars um, are, you know, those are things you should probably stick with your positions on. But social issues. I think let them change, let them evolve, that everybody's evolving.
2: Yeah, I agree. Now, I want to talk about um, the clear losers of the debate. Um, I'm not sure there was a clear winner, but there were a couple of clear lo- uh, losers. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about how bad Jim Webb and Lincoln Chafee were. <laughs> oh my god they were hilariously bad
1: yeah i mean everybody's made fun of this now but jim webb for somebody who has basically no support whatsoever god knows why he was even on that platform complaining that he didn't have time he complained at least three or four times it's like dude like this is not attractive to anybody just stop
3: yeah he was a wet sock he just was a flub of a human being I don't Every know. Every time they asked him a happening. question, he looked like he was wetting his pants. <laughs> <laughs> he stared. He stared at you with that vaguely like sociopathic, there's nothing happening behind the
2: eyes kind of look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know what I don't know what was going on there. He was a fucking potato. Yeah. What I enjoyed about it was when questioned about his first ever vote in the Senate he gave the excuse that his father had just died and that he just moved to Washington. So, and then Anderson's like, so you didn't know what you were voting for. Yeah. And He he responds and says, I think you're being a little rough, you know, my dad had just died. And then he repeats the same justification. It's like, dude, I'm sorry. That really sucks for you, but you're, you're fucking Senator. Right. Like that can't be your excuse when you make a bad vote.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, and I found out afterwards that Lincoln only has about 30000 He's only raised about $30,000, which is not good at all. And just today, actually, Tuesday, <laughs> October 20th, Jim Webb dropped out. He may go independent, um, but for now he's off the Democratic ticket. So,
2: Man, he's only been on it for 10 minutes.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like, dude, you can only last a week after the debate? What? Jim
2: Webb is a
3: Democrat in like, you know, 1810. He's not, <laughs> yeah, he's not even like a contemporary Democrat, which mm-hmm. is just fine. I just think that it's odd that <laughs> Tehran has, I mean, he got an A. Rating from the NRA.
2: <laughs> NRA, yeah,
3: the NRA loves this guy. They gargle his balls on a weekly basis, <laughs> and he's all for like he's very, very fiscally conservative. I he said some good back during the the Paul Ryan plan when Paul Ryan was trying to slash all the entire budget in half. He said some positive things about the Paul Ryan plan. I'm not, you know, listen, you know, you do you. That's great. But like to think you're going to get anywhere on the Democratic ticket like that is
2: just unrealistic. I think um, I think that he thought that he was going to a GOP debate.
3: Yeah. <laughs> He's like that senile <laughs> fucking guy. He just wanders on stage. He's like,
2: well, I guess I better just stand here. And well, yeah. And at the special. very end, when they were asking about who like all of their political enemies, he listed some guy that he killed in Vietnam. It's like, no, you are not, this this is not your audience. I felt like
3: he said, he gave that answer and I felt like I was sitting at the dinner table at Thanksgiving with my (laughs) grandfather and my great uncle as they relive their tales of the bush and the Viet Cong. I was like, where am I right now? So
1: with Jim out, Lincoln, of course, is going to be out and Biden presumably going in. That'll be a pretty good group there. Hillary, Bernie, Martin and um, Joe, Uncle Joe.
3: Yeah, I know it's I know it's partisan and I'm obviously very biased here, um, but I love I love that. I think to have Hillary, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Martin O'Malley, those four people, there's all four of them are serious candidates with Mm -hmm. serious ideas They talk about policy, and I certainly do not agree with them on everything, or even you know, eighty percent of things. I have strong disagreements, but when you still, even objectively, even if you're conservative and you watch their debates compared to the GOP nonsense with Donald Trump screaming at Paul or at uh, Rand Paul that he's a loser Mm -hmm. and pathetic, like it's just, it's it's uh, night and day.
1: My personal favorite moment from the debate was when Bernie stood up for Hillary. I, I, I kind of cried during the email part.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's so great about Bernie is that he's willing to set aside the bullshit to say, guess what, Hillary? Nobody gives a fuck about your emails.
1: Yeah. Did you guys watch the debate spoof on Saturday Night Live?
2: Yes. <laughs> that's so
1: good. Wait, Elisa, did you?
2: yes okay oh, yeah. good
1: i just just to close out this section i want to play um bernie aka larry david's response sticking up for hillary basically the debate the debate skit was a complete clone of the debate <laughs> the real debate it was 10 minutes long so here's the one part about the emails you know what? can i
0: can i just jump in here this may not be great politics but I think the American people are sick and tired about hearing about your damn emails.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, thank you, Bert. <laughs> God, it must be fun to scream and cuss in public.
3: <laughs> I have to do all mine into tiny little jars. <laughs>
1: that probably wasn't the 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 funniest moment but it was it was a very good skit that.
2: Yeah, they did lot. a really good job with it.
1: And now I'm wondering if Larry David is going to be back as Bernie Sanders every time cuz he was perfect.
2: He was really great.
1: Anyway, let's move on now. We have a little listener feedback before we get into the news and our AP choice and of course, surprise bitch. This is an email from Nicole and it's about criticism and how we at millennial handle it we wanted to address this um so nicole writes i love the show and have loved you guys for a while but i have to admit i'm a little disappointed in how you handle criticism i don't have the time to go through the entirety of your shows and point out the times you've endorsed hillary clinton like laura mentioned and to even suggest that just reeks of superiority and entitlement It's not up to us to educate you. This host-listener power dynamic means that you owe it to us to actually do that kind of work instead of suggesting it to us. It shows you lack a kind of self-critical nuance that I believe is necessary to foster conversation. I've noticed tones like this before in your responses to listener feedback, and while at first I thought this kind of response to legitimate feedback was okay, the fact that you consistently counter every kind of criticism with an argumentative prove-it-or-you're-wrong rhetoric is disappointing. I understand that you want to respond to criticism with your thoughts and prove why you think a certain way or prove why you did something but it comes off as de- delegitimat delegitimizing legitimizing legitimize uh, is there a T missing there anyway uh and condescending rather than showing you've actually critically thought about yourself in in a different way
2: also, I wanted to add in here. Nicole did later go on to tell us how much she enjoys the show, and I didn't want people to think that, like, we were leaving that out on purpose. She genuinely is a fan and loves the show, um, but she did have this feedback for us. So,
3: yeah, I wanted to say that that I think this is, I think it's fair. I understand where she's coming from, but I thought about this a lot, and I think I under, I know the reason why this happens, why it comes off as though we are not good with criticism when I think actually we, we are. And I think the reason is because all of the criticism that we do agree with that does make us think critically and differently about ourselves. We have those conversations behind the scenes amongst the four of us, uh, you know, in emails on the phone when we have our meetings, you know, we point out regularly to one another, Oh, this person wrote in and said this, this person criticized that. And regularly, we'll say to ourselves, "Yeah, they're kind of right. We should do better, or we should do something else." So I, I think we, I think we are re- more receptive to it than it seems. Um, but I, I get why she thinks this way because all the criticism we put on the show is criticism we disagree with. And the reason we do that, of course, is because it doesn't make for interesting conversation if we, if we re-listen our feedback and then go, yeah, you're right. Okay. Let's go. Move on. You know, we try to choose topics, news stories, feedback for the show where we can have an engaged conversation. And so naturally it just pans out that most of the criticism we choose is stuff we disagree with so that we can talk about it. But. Uh, we'll do a better job of that, I think. In the future, we'll, we'll point out some criticisms that we thought was actually very, very valid. And this was one of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: So thank you, Nicole, for that. And I do think, you know, if we do get a correction where we're genuinely wrong and maybe it's a fact, we do. I think we have done this at least once or twice in the past. The show's still kind of young, but, you know, we, we'll bring that up. Hey, we said this last week, but factually that was not correct. So, Here's the actual truth. And thank you for clarifying whoever pointed it out to us.
2: Yeah. And I also just wanted to say, like, um, I was the one who made the suggestion about um, having people check and see how many times we've endorsed Hillary Clinton. And I didn't mean for that to come across as sounding entitled or superior. Um, It was just genuinely a thought that I had in the moment because we do get a lot of comments from people about that. And I genuinely did not believe that we did it that much. Um, so I will be, uh, like taking it upon myself to go through and check because I am genuinely curious, but I didn't want anybody to think that I was being a jackass. Yeah.
3: No, I don't think, I don't, I don't think you're being a jackass. The the last thing I'd say on this too, is that keep in mind, we're four young adults who are just, you know, we're just sitting here bullshitting around with each other every week. We don't have a team. Of like PR experts behind us, we don't sit here and like go over how are we going to respond to this and come up with talking points and messaging. You know, we d- we sit down, we read it, and we get very off the cuff, knee jerk responses. And so sometimes, you know, we all look back and go, "Fuck, I wish I had replied better than that."
2: But yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. I said before, the the show is still young, uh, you know. We're evolving, we'll change, we'll we'll grow. I I'm very curious where we'll be in a hundred episodes from now, depending mm-hmm. how we run the show, what we do on the show, etc. Hopefully, not fucking up as much.
3: I I <laughs> thought you were going to say I'm curious to see where we'll be in a hundred years, and I was to like, Andrew,
2: I have news <laughs> for you you. you.
3: you might want to sit down for
1: this, but. <laughs> So um t- it's time now for our AP choice. This is a suggestion from one of our supporters at the $10 level on patreon.com slash millennial. Grace writes, I don't know if any of y'all care about this, but if you've listened slash seen for those of you around New York City, I figured Hamilton the musical would be kind of a cool topic since it seems pretty much what the demographic of this show would enjoy. So should I just play this clip, Laura?
2: Yeah, go Straight ahead and it pull it up.
0: Okay. When Lynn Manuel Miranda sings about the drive of the young, scrappy, and hungry immigrant, he's not singing about just any immigrant. I am the A-L-E-X-K-N-D-E-R. We are meant to be a colony that runs. He's singing about the man on the $10 bill, Alexander Hamilton, the revolutionary, visionary, and youngest of the founding fathers. This is a guy who, on the strength of his writing, pulled himself from poverty into the revolution that helped create our nation and caught beef with every other founding father i mean there's great drama there's a great love story there's incredible political intrigue corruption such an old song that we can sing along in harmony and nowhere is it stronger than in albany this colony's economies and-
1: in other words so life made for this state. musical recently debuted and um everybody is raving about it who has seen it right laura
2: yeah I know I haven't had a chance to see it myself, but I really, really want to because it's you know I live in New York um but I think it sounds really cool. A lot of our listeners have been asking us about it mm-hmm. um and i'm just I'm really sad to say that I just don't know a whole lot about what's
1: going on with it. Well, I think why people like it so much is it's history with a modern twist right they they they're basically wrapping history um mm-hmm. as you heard in a couple of those clips there. Um, performed by lynn Manuel, and i think everybody's obsessed with it because it really does offer an interesting spin on our founding fathers
2: Hmm. elisa what do you i mean you're obsessed with the founding fathers so what do you think i think it's i think it's awesome and i really wish that
3: i wish that teachers <clears throat> did more stuff like this i don't by which I, I mean not like you know write a fucking broadway show for their <laughs> no. ninth grade history class but you know what i mean like make make it more digestible and and accessible make history more accessible to to people i love so my poor poor little brother has had to bear my lectures so many times We get into these very philosophical conversations and I will try to explain to him the history of something like the history of the Fourth Amendment or the history of the Articles of Confederation and why that didn't work. And I'll try and explain to him how this all happened, but so that he doesn't kill me in my sleep, I will try to make it interesting and I use analogies and I curse a lot. And he actually kind of enjoys it. And I always thought to myself, why do people, why do teachers not do that kind of thing more often? This is this is a musical that should be shown in like every 10th grade history class.
1: Well, I wonder if one day it'll be turned into a movie like Hairspray, which Laura and I were just talking about in, in uh, hashing it out. Or maybe they'll they'll film this this show, this Broadway show, and then release it as a DVD or Blu-ray and then educators can get it and play it in school. I think that would be a really good idea. And yeah, I, uh, I love that. You bring up a good point, Elisa. It's just that they need – schools need to make <laughs> their le- – I feel dumb saying this. Like I'm, um, Schools need to make their history lessons more interesting. You sit in history class as a kid in middle school or high school and it's just so boring. It's like, why do I care? Yeah. You know what?
2: I have to say, Like since we're talking history education right now, I cannot – like sing the praises enough of the reacting to the history games have you or reacting to history games have you guys ever played those no so they are so cool so they have them for different points in history um so like i've played the french revolution and um um athens Mm -hmm. and what happens is in the game they actually split you into different political factions and give people different roles And it's all based on real history. And they give you these roll cards of different things that the character that you're playing said and did. And you play it over the course of, like, six weeks. It's like, that's your assignment in class, is to come in and, like, try to pass legislation. It is so much fun. And I think I learned way more history from doing that than I ever did sitting in a fucking desk.
1: Yeah. It's it's a shame that history and, you know, other lessons in school, other... Types of courses in school can be so boring, or can be so interesting, and yet they've been uh, stigmatized because just the way that they're taught is so boring.
3: Mm -hmm. My only question here is,
2: why Hamilton? You know,
1: why Alexander Hamilton?
2: Mm -hmm. You're Mm -hmm. you're just upset that it's not Jefferson. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) maybe that's okay. Can you? Hey, it's okay to have these feelings. Okay. I
3: need to talk them out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to the news now. I found this interesting report. You know, there's over a billion people who use Facebook every day now. So it's a it's a important resource not only to check out the latest memes, but also just to learn about the human population. And Facebook revealed an interesting report over the past week revealing that a... That the number of Americans coming out on Facebook is spiking. Uh, not only has the total number of Americans who have come out on Facebook risen dramatically, but so has the number coming out each day. Facebook said in a report entitled America's Coming Out on Facebook. The number of people on Facebook coming out per day is on track to be three times what it was a year ago. They have a chart to back the, to visualize this data, and it's really interesting. You see a a spike. Um, a, a very steady rise in people coming out since March or April, and even that was a few months before the Supreme Court decision. By the way, Facebook defines coming out as updating one's profile to express a same gender attraction or specifying a custom gender.
2: Wow, so Facebook has their own definition of coming
1: out. Well, but I see their point.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, no, I mean it's just, it it's so interesting how we've developed, you yeah. know.
1: So, assuming that this Facebook trend actually does reflect what's going on in America, why do you guys think this is happening? Why are more people than ever coming out? It's well, a big question. I
2: mean, I think it's, it's a question of, like... Are they actually coming out as in telling people that they're gay for the first time on Facebook? Or is it just like they were out in their private lives and they've decided to update their social media to reflect that now?
1: I'm sure it's a mix of both. But I'll tell you, my personal experience by coming out on Facebook, it is kind of a big deal. Because then anybody can go on your profile, click about, and see who you're interested in. I mean, and that's something that I used to do a lot. Like, oh, is that person gay? I have to be honest, just thinking about this now, I haven't done that in a while, but I would frequently go, I guess when I was single or just, you know, before I had many gay friends, I would go to a profile and go to the about page and look. So it it matters.
2: Yeah. Do we really use Facebook in that way anymore? I mean, I definitely remember when we did, when we would Facebook stalk people to determine if we could potentially date them. But now with the existence of dating apps, I'm just not sure
1: yeah you're right how common or
2: necessary it is anymore um
1: and yet more and more people are feeling the need to to list what gender they're interested in
3: i can understand i can i can understand why i think it's i think putting yourself out there that's doing it publicly as you were pointing out andrew right so Mm You're, you're doing it publicly. And I think that even if your immediate family and friends know, there's still something very empowering about just saying, fuck it, you know, and, and not being afraid of, of what a stranger is going to think. I mean, not that obviously, we should ever care what anyone thinks of something like this. But nonetheless, I think that there is an innate fear on behalf of every human being that we're going to be judged or disliked, or something like that. And I think that, you know, accepting that you just don't give two fucks anymore, and you're going to be who you are, is very is a very empowering thing. And I think it's Speaking for myself, as as a straight person, I feel like it's probably something that I take for granted because everybody always sort of just assumes when you meet someone new for the first time, whether it's in work or whatever, I would be willing to wager that the vast majority of people just assume, not consciously, just assume that the person you're speaking with is straight. And Mm -hmm. that's the default, right? Right. So, I think, you know, by putting yourself out there on social media, you're saying, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, um, don't assume that about me. That's not who I am.
1: Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't mind that assumption because statistically, they're probably right. That, yeah, oh no. Is, Go
3: yeah, ahead. it's straight. Right. No, no, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's an offensive. Assumption. Uh, I don't think it's something to get up in arms about, but regardless, it is still something that straight people need to realize ha- is is the case, and we take for granted, and perhaps perhaps shouldn't.
1: I also think that right now, it just thanks in part to the Supreme Court decision and what we see in the media these days, and support from politicians like like that flip flopper Hillary, that <laughs> um it it is a good time to come out because people are realizing that they can do it that it's going to be okay now with that said um that's obviously not the case for everybody it still is a really rough world out there for a lot of people even though this facebook data is a um uh, uh assuring um my boyfriend volunteers at the trevor project was which is a lifeline for a free lifeline for gay and questioning youth if if they need help coming out or maybe they tried to come out and uh family members disown them or something like that they can call this hotline and they can get support um and it helps a lot of people and it's a really cool organization you you may have already heard of it through people like dane radcliffe or tyler Mm -hmm. oakley or darren chris they're all very big supporters of it um i but Getting back to this, I just I really do think it is a cool time to come out.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and I think it's also really helpful to those younger generations seeing all of these people who maybe they knew in their day to day lives all of a sudden coming out on Facebook and making them realize, hey, it's OK.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, I can do this, too. I,
1: I also want to mention that um, I, my sister knew I was gay, by the way, for all you new listeners out there. I'm gay. Um, for my sister found out I was (laughs) no idea (laughs) in 2007 or 2008 and, um, she didn't, we, I hadn't talked about it with any family members for years after that until I started dating my current boyfriend, Mike. And the reason I decided to come out to them all together (laughs) at a bar, (laughs) um, in 2013 was that Um, I felt really comfortable and secure in my relationship and I wanted them to know about it. And, um, I, I, everybody has their own personal reasons for wanting to come out when they do. But for me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one here, but if you feel secure enough in a relationship, if you feel good enough about it, and maybe you just kind of just get sick of it, you, of being quote unquote in the closet, you just do it. And it, it does feel really good, but God is it scary. Even, even though all my family members knew, I wasn't like surprising them. Even my brother was like, thank God this has been ta- taboo for too long. Um,
2: aww. Aww, <laughs> he's just,
1: such a sweetie. I know. Um, it just feels good. And, uh, even if it's scary. And then once it's done, it's done. So.
2: Yeah. So, and I, and then I, you all just took shots together and it was great. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think there's something to the fact that once you see
3: there's there's a there's safety in numbers, right? Like once you see one, ten, twenty, 10, 20, 100 people coming out, you think, OK, this isn't there's not as much of a stigma here. And yeah. I think it sort of builds upon itself in this case in a very positive way.
1: And similarly, when you come out to people, you're building up your quote-unquote army of people on your side. So the more people you have on your side, the easier it is – this was my experience – the easier it is to come out to other people. So anyway, I asked in the Facebook group at uh, facebook.com slash groups slash millennial show if anybody had some opinions on this question. Why are more people coming out? Alina said, I think the act of support on Facebook after the marriage ruling is a big contributor. As more people actively voiced their support, others were encouraged as well, even just through seeing it on social media. Personally, I've also seen people around me be more encouraged now, and some even have done it first through social media. Another factor I think is the general greater open acceptance across media, more common to discuss on shows, and movies, people viewing this, and then reacting positively, encouraging others to be open. And just one more here. This is from Bobby. Um, she said, I was honestly surprised how many of my Facebook friends came out in support of marriage equality after the ruling. I live in a very conservative area. Maybe people feel they are coming out to a more accepting America, and I personally hope they are getting that love and support. So there are many more thoughts in the Facebook group. Feel free to head over to Facebook.com slash groups slash millennial show and join the conversation. Moving on.
2: Moving along. Um, So, Texas has announced its plans to eliminate taxpayer funding to Planned Parenthood providers, essentially not allowing for Planned Parenthood to receive any of the state's Medicaid money. Governor Abbott said, Ending Medicaid participation of Planned Parenthood affiliates in the state of Texas is another step in providing greater access to safe health care for women while protecting our most vulnerable, the unborn. Uh... And what I love about this is the part where he's like, safer healthcare for women. What?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Come again? I just don't understand this, this passion for life. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, before they're born, of course, and okay. <laughs> within a, you know, a few months span. I, I don't, I don't understand it. Is it just down to Jesus?
2: No, I I completely understand people who take a personal pro-life approach. Yes, yes. Right? Like, if you could never envision yourself having an abortion, if that's not something you could do, that is fine. I'm not right. telling you that you need to do that. But also, don't tell me what I need to do with my body.
1: Right, right. Pro-choice.
2: Um, yeah, Exactly. So I wanted to say, like, setting aside the fact that Planned Parenthood isn't the only place to have an abortion. I love how they're acting like all the abortions happen at Planned Parenthood. So if we defund them, no more abortions will happen. That's just not true. Um, Can we think of a sound argument for why states like Texas are trying to do this? I'm trying to play devil's advocate a little bit here.
1: Well, this isn't a sound answer, but is it because liberals are pro-choice?
2: I, I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't understand the mentality. Like, I'm just trying to think, like, put myself in the shoes of somebody who really believes this and try and understand. I think where someone, they're coming from. Someone who really
3: believes this really believes that life begins at conception. And so it's not about personal choice. They would say, well, Do you have the choice to go out and stab somebody in the face? No. Well, then you don't have the right to kill the person inside of you, whether they're inside your womb or or outside your womb. Murder is murder. That's what they think. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I disagree. I think we all, everyone here on this panel disagrees. But, I mean, that's, that's the thinking behind it is that you're killing somebody.
1: Yeah, and that's fine and think what you want, but pro-choice instead of pushing your opinion on everybody. I guess
2: my thing is, like, abortion is legal, right? So I feel like if people want to start opting out of paying taxes that go to things that are perfectly legal but with which you don't personally agree, I've got a fucking list of shit that i pay for that I would like a refund you know what i mean like i agree yeah like i'm sorry i don't enjoy paying for wars so could you please give me my money back for that that's not yeah that's not how any of this works no understand
3: you're part of a society and we all contribute our tax dollars all contribute to things that we don't like and that we don't agree with so if you don't like it you know go out and protest or or fight it in the courts or what have you but defunding it is such a spineless way of trying to get reform in my personal opinion and let's also keep in mind before abortion was legal in this country there were still abortions
2: the only difference was dangerous is that they happened
3: in back alleys and that they were very dangerous and that the women often died and You know, there have since the dawn of man, there have been abortions. The only question we have to answer is, are we going to accept that and make it clean and healthy for for these women? Or are we going to try and defund and shame them? Right.
2: Um Yeah. I'm, you've left me speechless. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I, I did, I did want to say I feel like our Texas listeners should know a couple of things that their governor is okay with their taxes going towards, given his unwavering support for the sanctity of life. Mm-hmm. So uh, we wanted to point out that about half of undocumented immigrants, of which there are many in the state of Texas, pay taxes, contrary to popular opinion. And those taxes support taxpayer-funded programs like Social Security, Medicare, welfare, and food stamps. Of course, as undocumented immigrants, they are on unava- or those programs are unavailable to those people. So they're paying into these welfare programs, they're paying into this like safety net that we have in this country, and then they're not benefiting from it. Hmm. Speaking of Texas, by the way, I'm going to be in Texas next I'm week. So sorry,
3: what? Yeah, I'm going to Austin. Oh, oh Austin's fun. great. Austin's yeah a great town. i'm going to austin next thursday the 29th so uh any listeners are from austin or live in austin i need some recommendations like i'm gonna have one night and one night only to check out the sites you know get some food so
2: give me recommendations Dude, you need to go bar hopping bar hopping yeah. in austin is fantastic
1: yeah I'm actually, at the same time as you, Elisa, I'm going to be the state next door in New Mexico.
2: Well, let's meet up.
1: Yeah, I think I'm looking at a map. It looks like a big drive between New Mexico and Austin. It's (laughs) fine. By the way, Elisa, you were wondering what inspired Hamilton the musical to be about Hamilton. It was inspired by the biography Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. Okay. So,
3: Well, that's
1: read that and maybe you'll be into alexander hamilton as well
2: probably not
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right it's time now for surprise bitch
2: okay let's do 27
1: 27 you say oh we've already done 27 oh fuck
2: i probably picked that i love the number 27 okay (laughs) let's do let's do number six
1: okay that's a canadian Oh, never mind. <laughs> and their name is yeah, we Perry. we about their elections. One night we should just go through every single phone number, just yeah. nonstop. Yeah, I agree.
2: That's a surprise,
3: bitch. Great. Special edition. Can that be like the live show? Just like... <laughs> surprise, bitch! Hello.
1: Yo, is this Perry? This is Perry. Hey, it's Millennial. What's hey. up? How's it going? Oh, what the fuck! Hey, Dan, how's it going? <laughs> I heard like, somebody else surprised, bitch, and I was like, "What, is it? what the fuck is this?" <laughs> That's weird. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. good. Uh, exciting good. week for you guys up there with the election. Yeah, no,
0: it is pretty exciting stuff. Uh, no more Harper, so good, for, good for that.
2: Yeah. So, we're... are you happy with Justin Trudeau? Um, you know, I- I'm pretty, I'm pretty
0: neutral. I just really didn't want to see another Harper in the You know. Okay. Okay, of uh, course. I was not too picky between uh Tom or, or J, JT so.
1: Um were you in the all the excitement with Laura when when or in the Facebook group cuz she was really into
0: no, it? No, I wasn't I wasn't almost part of that. Been oh. been super super, gosh, I think people were like I'm cuz I am super. i i am i feel bad. I'm super behind them on anything right now too. <gasps> I've been I'm, I'm, I'm oh, saying, I
1: I, I don't
0: Are you I even I'm a supporter
1: anymore? Pardon? Me? Are you even a supporter anymore? I think so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm definitely behind I'm, I'm trying to still. So,
1: so uh, what do you do up there in Canada?
0: Uh, I live in Ottawa. Uh, I go to school in political science. uh am into law school next year, so we'll see how that goes.
1: Political nice. science? Okay. That's well, uh, Laura is single. Represent.
2: Joe. Oh, yeah. Andrew, Andrew's well, you know, trying
1: to... You, you me have you you got, you got a number, you
0: know, if you haven't called, if you have you know. Oh
2: my god, that's so true. I told... Oh man, <laughs> I'm... about to get some oh, real I'm wrong having, like, text messages. You have people
0: all the time being like, yo, call me changing, you guys.
2: So <laughs> later <laughs> when you receive a text message from an Atlanta-based area code, you just go with it, okay?
3: <laughs> and
2: oh, if, sorry, it's a, if, it's a,
3: if it's a dick pic, don't freak out. Laura's trying to... <laughs> she's trying to come
2: it's,
1: out. You know, I'm trying something new. <laughs> uh, so, tell us something about your area that, that people don't know. Like,
3: Probably. where do you, where in Canada I'm, are you from exactly?
1: I'm from Ottawa, actually.
0: Okay, well, cool. I'm, not from, I'm from, I'm from BC, but I moved to Ottawa. I honestly don't really know much. It does in the winter, and I don't like snow, so I just didn't go outside for like six months. Mm hmm. <laughs>
1: <For laughs> I, I think honestly, I
0: don't, Okay, I'm I'm being dramatic, but back oh. in January, you know, I just didn't leave my house for the snow bathroom because I'm, I'm weak. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, that's how I was in New York, too. It was fucking miserable here. Let me ask you You something about the snow, actually.
3: I read that in Canada, it's a thing to take maple syrup, pour it over some freshly fallen (laughs) snow, (laughs) take like a stick, and like you kind of roll it around like a little maple syrup lollipop, ice pop, and you eat it. Is that a thing? Is that true?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a a real thing. That's a real thing. Fuck. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: I've only, like, I've done it, like, you can go to places where they make maple syrup and then they have, like, little stands and they do that for you.
3: What is that it food. called? Does it have a name?
0: Um, I don't know. It's probably a name. So I'm, I'm from D.C. There's a name where I'm from, so this is all right. me, me too. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I do, you eat, do you eat poutine? Yes. All the time. Does he have poutine? He
3: cries. He, he cries cheese curds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty cool.
2: I just like saying Ooh. the word.
1: All right, Perry. Well, thank you very much. And uh, thanks oh, for your thank support. It you nice.
0: nice to hear from you.
1: Yeah, yeah. You were one of our first people on uh, who signed up for the surprise bitch form. So. Sure
0: did. Yeah, I remember I was talking to you so long ago. I, like, I, yeah. kinda, I honestly forgot about it. So that's <laughs> why I was like, surprise, bitch. I was like, wait, <laughs> this is, is he having it right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we're glad, we're glad we uh, surprised you. Uh, have a good yeah. night. Thanks. Uh, thank you, guys, too. Take care. Right, bye. bye. Laura, I was trying to put you with him because I Facebook stalked him and he is very attractive. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. You'll have to send me that link after the show. (laughs)
3: listen laura's not the only one who's thirsty on this program no no <laughs> you we can't just keep throwing her all the fucking bones look, i'm look! look. This we're, we're, listen
2: look. listen i don't i don't have a bone right now you know what i'm saying <laughs> she so... needs a bone <laughs> yeah
1: look we're all thirsty but two of us are taken so you know, we, we have to be professional
3: <laughs> no we don't on this program <laughs> on this show we have to be professional okay
1: well guys it's been a lot of fun divide As by always. three that's that's all i have to
2: say <laughs> i miss
1: matt <laughs> i matt? do too he'll he'll be back next week of course and um to close us out we're gonna listen to some star wars i think <laughs> let's do it let's do oh. it first i gotta pull it up on spotify gosh we can just hum it right go ahead for those of
3: us who have actually seen
2: it <clears throat> <laughs> which one are we doing
1: thank you everybody for listening continue i'll do it over top of you it's visit millennialshow.com steal a lightsaber if you ever find one out in the wild and visit our patreon patreon.com slash millennial you too can be like perry and we will facebook stalk you as well
2: I like how that was a linear thought process for you. You were like, steal a lightsaber. (laughs) Give us money.
1: (laughs) All right, I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. See y'all next week for episode 38. Goodbye. Bye. You'll be hearing from Laura soon. (laughs) Four. Number four, okay. That is Danielle. Where does she live? United States of America.
2: Perfect. We can ask her about the democratic debate.
1: America oh, I yeah. am
2: America. Go ahead, you
1: you lead it.
2: Who's you? Me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you people.
1: You people. Danielle, right? Yes time we're gonna prank one of you guys and give you the wrong name <laughs> this is tim <laughs> no i'm not fucking danielle who the fuck is that Do not call me a bitch
0: <laughs> your call has been uh, forwarded to an automated voice leave it, messaging leave a message. system yeah five six is not available. At the tone please record your message. When you've finished recording you may hang up or press one for more options.
2: Danielle! Surprise, bitch! bitch. This is millennial. Where are you?
3: Why aren't you answering your phone? Answer your phone, Tim. I have your money. <laughs> <laughs>